for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is July 18th, 2023. I am your host, Aaron Blasey. This is going to be episode 310. And with me, as always, David Riley. What's going on, buddy? Not much, buddy. It's uh, the dog days of summer right now. You know, it's the temperatures are up. We're kind of right in the middle of July. A lot of whitetail work being done, scouting, trail cameras, glassing. It's we're kind of right in the right in the middle of it right now, man. What's happening with you though today? Nothing today. I mean, as we're recording today, it's uh, went out actually in the one acre today. Well, for everybody listening, we're going to do a season twenty three episode today. We haven't done an update in a while. Some people are asking for it, and we've got a lot to cover, honestly, with the season twenty three and. Um, just kind of give an update on on where we're at and what we've been doing and what we're, you know up to this point and I, I don't let me forget but I do want to kick off and tell everybody our plan for November for season 23 so um, that's gonna be a really cool one and something that I I have never seen done yet so um, we'll get into that as well but yeah I went out to the one acre today and um, gonna be putting a fall plot in there and just want to see what kind of you know, shrubbery I'm into, like I got to kill for as far as, you know, weeds and stuff like that. And boy, she's, <laughs> she's thick. She's thick. I need to, uh, <laughs> need to take care of some stuff with some, <laughs> with some weed killer. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> it is, what will that process look like? Will it be spray it, then mow it, and then work it up and plant it? Or what, what what's your uh, plan of attack? What I'm, what I think I'm gonna do is there's a couple different ways I could do it. Now I'm no horticulturist or uh, biologist by any means. Some things that I've done in the past that worked well for me. Um, what I think I'm gonna do is either a go in there and weed whip it. It's just like a little kill plot. It's not mm-hmm. nothing giant by any means. Go in and weed whip it, um, and then kill it. And what I was thinking is kill it, plant it, just let the you know let the the um you know seed hit the ground and everything like that i'm not going to work it up just there's good soil back there just get good seed to soil and mm. let that you know plants that i killed wilt over and kind of act as like a as a barrier a seed bed you know for hold moisture and everything um that's probably what i'll do the other thing is to just weed whip it kill it and then come back later when right when I know it's going to rain. I love to plant food plots while it's raining. Like I know, like I'll, I've I've mm-hmm. I've spread so much seed in the past, uh, in the rain. Like I just you know with it, the moisture and everything, just put it right on the dirt. And um, so yeah, one one of those two things here. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, are you? Uh, I know you know in the off season back in the springtime that you were kind of manipulating like some of the trees and some of the the logs around there to force the deer to do you know certain things and the way they move through that piece of property now even though it's thick are you seeing any of the trails are you seeing any effects from what you did 100 percent. i mean are you oh yeah I I've got the deer trained to go right where I need them to go, <laughs> but the but <laughs> but it's it's to the point now where it's just like I gotta be there when they do it. It's so mm-hmm. you know it's not like gonna be a no brainer done deal thing, you know. But um, I did do some hinge cutting and you know I did some hinge cutting, but I did more of like 
barrier cutting or where I was literally just falling trees, you know, to block them off some, from certain areas and neck them down. Mm-hmm. You know, I was trying to create my own pinch point, which I did, yep. you know, and, um, I don't know. We'll see if it works. It's, it's that one acre is fun to hunt, but it's so hard to hunt. So hard. Hardest, hardest piece of, of timber piece of ground that I've ever hunted. Yeah. I mean, think about it. When you say one acre, that's, that's people, most people that live out in the country, that's kind of their size of their yard. You know what I mean? Right. I, I have just over an acre here and I can't imagine just trying to hunt just this, you know, but I know. it's interesting because it's, it's fun to follow along, especially like, you know, kind of developing a piece of property property is nothing that I've ever really messed with. So seeing your videos and pictures of it and, you know, even I remember in the spring you were prepping like trail camera locations for that area and a scrape, you know, potential scrape location. So it's, it's going to be interesting that, uh, you know, when, when the, when the food plot is coming up and the pictures start rolling in that, you know, as much as that I've never messed around with something like that, I can definitely see how it can be very satisfying for a guy trying to do that work to a piece of ground. And even even those first pictures of a, a doe and a fawn eating that food plot that you planted, that you worked on, I can see that being uh, very satisfying for sure. Yeah, it's it, it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds and everything. And I've got the seed and everything, and that'll come in later. We'll, we'll dive into like the food plot stuff later um here coming up hopefully with the next couple weeks but uh we'll dive in a little bit into that but um yeah i hope it comes out all right i i still have to prep a tree and honestly what i'm gonna do is probably put a stand in there so Alyssa can hunt it as well um but like i said you know these uh, said in the past anyway a lot of these little wood lots like i like to put pre-hungs in there because getting in there you know when you know there's a deer bedded in there or something like that and you just you know it's pretty hard to to hang a you know hang sticks and everything get in a saddle or a tree stand so i like to have a couple of those pre set locations and they can work as morning locations as well so mm-hmm. i know the deer bed close so to be able to just pop in and and get up into a tree is pretty nice in the mornings yeah and then more than anything like you said you know if if the if the wife would like to get out there and uh, for a couple of evenings or even a morning hunt makes it easy for you know and and having that kind of setup like that to me it's just another tool in the toolbox buddy yep for sure okay let's let's get into some some partner calls and some uh some codes i've been i've been asked a lot uh lately on on social media i mean a lot a lot about some codes so i just want to reiterate to everybody like what we got and some things that i i want you guys to check out and and hurry up on this stuff too because you know, time's ticking. We're, <clears throat> I mean, season's almost here. So we need to uh, get on the ball here. So first and foremost, the website, fallpodcast.com. We got merch there, hats, hoodies, t-shirts. We're in the infancy stages of designing a hat for hunting hunting season this year. We're, you know, we're still trying to figure out what it's all going to be, but it's it'll be a patch hat more than likely. And it's going to be pretty cool. I, I think we got some we haven't seen, like, I haven't got any, um, designs done yet, but like just talking about it and what we're going to do, I think it could be pretty neat. So, and it's going to be something for everybody, even if you don't like the podcast or don't listen to a podcast, it's going to be, you know, something for every hunter out there. So 
uh, go to fallpodcast.com and check that out. Um, we do have the uh, Mobile Hunters Expo coming up here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I think it's next week, actually. So if you guys want to come down to Kalamazoo and check that out, I really highly suggest you guys do that because it's going to be a really cool show. Us as Latitude and David and, you know, the Fall Podcast, that we're going to be there. Um, David will probably be there a little bit more than me, probably. I only can make one day. But um, we're having a uh, – amongst the uh, the show, there's going to be a lot of uh, guest speakers talking. I know Dan Infall will be there um, along with some other guys. And I'm sorry, I, I really don't have them off my head right now. But uh, Saturday night from – I think starting from 4 to 6, we are doing the second annual – latitude film fest so anybody can come to that we're giving away a lot of prizes and for the winners of the film fest there's going to be some really cool uh prizes as well so if you guys have a film that's uh eight minutes or less all whitetail uh related and like mobile hunting you know around mobile hunting because that's the show uh, feel free to to submit the film we want some more films so and to submit it go to latitudeoutdoors.com and uh, right there, there'll be a film festival button right on the homepage to submit. And while you're there, go and shop and pick out the new sticks, a new saddle if you need that, or a platform and use the code, the fall podcast, all one word to uh, save some money on that. So while you're at Latitude, Latitude's website, go uh, use our code and uh, check that out. Go check out if you need some new ropes or like I said, you want to get into saddle hunting or if you just need to upgrade something, go do it. And a lot of people have been asking about the sticks and, and why they've been uh, pushed back uh, a couple weeks is, you know, some, some tooling and uh, the machine was, you know, kind of broke down or something like that. I really don't know a ton about it, but uh, don't worry because the sticks will be shipping really soon and you will get them before deer season if you've pre-ordered and you're ordering right now you'll get them before deer season do not worry on that so just a little update there uh next helix broadheads uh single bevel broadheads the penetration's ridiculous accuracy is unbelievable i forgot to tell you so jake metallic from latitude he got some helix some fj4s and i actually got the text right here so he he shot him for the first time last night, and he sends me a picture, and this is dead nuts right in right in the black target. He yeah. goes, Aaron. He goes, these things fly amazing. He's like forty yards right with my field points, and he's like, and I think I could shave with them. He said, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. and and I tell you, uh, old Jake Metallic is he is a very specific human being when it comes to gear and how it works and uh if if they pass the jake metallic test i think that that's saying a lot in my opinion yeah jake is a person that uh, is very analytical and you don't even know he doesn't even speak a word but he is breaking it down in his head you know just looking at something and then he'll, he'll give you a big old synopsis of what's great about it what probably needs to be improved and he knows and he's got solutions for that stuff so i agree for something to pass his test it's pretty good i like that. yeah i guarantee i was a little worried shot. when he got him though and, and, <laughs> and, and, and it's not because of the broadhead or nothing like that just because i know how jake yeah. is very thorough you know what i mean and i'm like but i knew what you said you're we're gonna get an honest opinion out of this mm-hmm. and he came back and literally is like 40 yards with my field points i haven't had to touch anything these things fly awesome 
Yeah. And for anyone that doesn't know, Jake, like I'll paint you a picture. I can pretty much guarantee you when he opened the box and pulled the, you know, the broadheads out, I bet you he sat there for 60 to 90 minutes looking at it, touching it, spinning it before he would even put it on an arrow before he shot it, like breaking every little thing down about that broadhead guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you guys want to test out what Jake test out, uh, go to helixbroadheads.com and use the code FALLHX10 to save some money there. Uh, next, Exodus Outdoors, Exodus Outdoor Gear, uh, their new rival camera. Okay, so you've gotten yours out now. You've been working them. Um, I've had mine out for a couple months, one of them, and then I put the other one out. But kind of give me the little bit of um, the little bit of sample size you've had with it so far. Like, what's your experience with it? Yeah, so setting it up was was extremely easy. Um, you know, in the the world of these like QR codes nowadays, boy, those are nice. There is no more like getting the you know thirty page you know manual out for it and having to read and look back at the camera and set it up. Like the QR code takes care of all of it. I really enjoyed that. The big thing that I would tell someone if you if you do have a solar panel do what they tell you about charging it for 24 hours um in advance that's and you kind of plan ahead like don't just all of a sudden think oh today i'm going to go put my cameras out oh i'm going to go grab the solar panel no plan ahead get that thing charged up now setting it up in the woods dude nice and easy they uh the rival is smaller than their previous cameras i really like that i really like that it, it only runs on eight uh double a batteries compared to 12 because even though you know i have it running on a solar panel panel i still have lithiums in it and eight lithiums is a lot better than 12 nowadays and for anyone buying those they totally understand what i'm talking about right now but uh you know set it up it's been out it's been out just over a week now and it started instantly getting pictures on it it's working flawlessly the hd pictures are crisp I mean, those are, those pictures are nice. So I, I'm looking forward to see how long, um, you know, that the first one I put on, I put on a spot, I call it death row. Uh, AB knows exactly where I'm talking about. I may just let it run until for like, I just want to see how long it will run with that solar panel. Yeah. And, and that's the same experience I've had with them now. I love the smaller size and the ease of setup with the QR code, literally take a picture, you get the scout tech app and it basically runs you through the whole thing and how to set it up. And it's very intuitive. And, um, I just love the small body because you can hide them better. You can hide them mm -hmm. so well. Yep. Nope. I, I, I totally agree. And I, I, and even though they're, they're smaller in size, you're still getting that same quality build that the, the previous cameras have had. They just, you know, like everything else in this world, it seems like they can just keep shrinking things down, but having the same technology, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and the other good thing about that is they have a five year, no BS warranty with theft and damage coverage. You can get the rival or the render cameras, um, and, the in the solar panels, I think they're out of solar panels right now, but they will be, um, coming out with some new ones or something here soon. I, I haven't, yeah. I wish I had more information for you, but that's literally all I have. So go to exodusoutdoorgear.com. Also, they put out a lot of content. They have podcasts themselves. They have an Exodus podcast, which is really good. Drops on Tuesdays, the same day this drops. 
They also have the land podcast and the deer gear podcast, and they have a really good YouTube following. So if there's a lot of, uh, you know, if there's info or anything like that on anything you want, you know, whitetail cribs or, you know, products that they have, go to their YouTube channel and, and check those out. So exodusoutdoorgear.com and or go to their YouTube channel and website yeah. to uh, check them all out. Yeah, their their YouTube channel is, it's nice, dude. They, yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there. Yep, for sure. Next, Garmin. I mean, not much I need to say about Garmin other than best best freaking site out there bar none i've been shooting it since 19 so that's 19 20 21 22 this is number five year for me absolutely love the site hope i never have to shoot anything else i hope they don't outlaw them because i'm gonna be freaking pissed if they do uh because they just are that nice they are I know that some people the I guess the biggest maybe complaint I get is they're like oh, the price. I'm telling you it's worth every penny. It, it really is worth every penny. I don't care if you get the A1, which is the very first version, which I have one of those, an A1i or an A1i Pro. Don't care. All of them are awesome and they all work very well. With the Pro, it does just have more features. You can micro adjust, you get XD mode. Uh, which I did a video on the YouTube channel of XD mode. Um, it builds your confidence and you you don't have to shoot any gaps anymore. You don't have to shoot gaps. You don't have to range and dial your sight or nothing like that. It takes all the guesswork out, pull back, hit the button, get a range. It'll give you a pin. And why not shoot these animals with confidence? More confidence than you would have before. Why not? Yeah. Just because I have a Garmin doesn't mean that I just don't shoot my bow in the yard. You still have to shoot. I mean, there is mm -hmm. a learning curve to it. There really is. But in the moment of truth, your head is going how many different directions? Why not eliminate one of those steps? I think it's just dumb if... I'm not saying you're dumb if you don't go get one of these sites, but I'm just saying why not make things as simple and efficient as you can you have a duty, and it's to kill that animal as quickly and as humanely as you possibly can. Why not eliminate one of those steps and stop guessing and just build confidence with having that on your boat? Yeah, I, uh, I think I think my brother-in-law's get one. He's he's pretty sold oh, he on get one. Yep, yep. And he's he's pretty sold on get one. And I have another guy local here, one of his buddies, that's pretty sold on get one too. And and I think a lot of people worry about that that learning curve with it okay outside of maybe the price then the learning curve where it's like it's it's they're not like once you have that thing set up which it walks you through every step of the way how to get it set up it don't take about a few few days out in the yard shooting and that it will become second nature just yeah it's simple as that honestly is you know if they had a program that you could kind of like test drive it before you buy, I think a lot of people would end up with one. Oh, like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, just like getting a new truck, you know, like, you know, it's expensive, but if you, if they get you to drive one, most likely you're walking away with it. And well, I, that's I kind of the that way you the were case. though. That's the mm -hmm. way you were a, a little bit oh, yeah. in the sense yeah. of like, I remember when you called me the first night you shot it in the yard, you're like, I thought you were going to say something bad. And you're like, yeah. dude, yeah. <laughs> just slapping arrows just you're like you're like precise precision oh, I, is what this thing I'm, is all about i'm telling you man I, I i i'll put it this way if if for some reason they ever outlawed them with the one thing that the garment has taught me that i i absolutely love and i've talked about it openly already is not having a post 
in my site house and I would, you know, I would be looking at sites moving forward that doesn't have a, a post in it. You know, more of like a target site. That's what it, that's what it feels equivalent to. Well, not only that, but the Garmin helps you with your grip. It makes you have a better better form because mm-hmm. there's a reticle with a dot in there and if those don't line up, your form is off. Mhm. So it's going to help you be a better shot with your form and everything too. That's a great point that you made too. Yep. Yep. For sure. So, um, next one, well, go to Garmin.com, check those out or your local Garmin dealer, go touch one, go ask one to get one out of the box and play with it really. Cause I think it might blow your mind. Um, so go check them out. Buck bourbon is another one. So Buck bourbon, we haven't explained much about Buck bourbon and, and they're a newer partner, but we will be having, um, the owner founder of Buck Bourbon on the podcast here soon. They offer a lot of different things and some things we can't talk about right now, but we will be able to here soon. But um, Buck Bourbon offers a lot of different stuff right now, specifically, you know, what we've partnered with them is on the ground blind side of things and something else, which we can't get into yet, but we can soon. Um, But Buck Bourbon is a company built, you know, it was built off of attractants and feed um, from down in, in Kentucky and, Really good company. I know the I know the owners well. Great people. They make an awesome product. We can't use supplemental feed here, but uh, you know when I worked my previous job with Mark Peterson, you know he is a part owner with our on Buck Bourbon, and you know the states I went to Kentucky and hunted with him, and the states that you can hunt over attract it and feed and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean the deer love it. <laughs> they do, <laughs> but um, obviously we can't use anything here, but. The blinds also, I don't want to skip over the blinds because, you know, a lot of people are like, well, ground blinds are ground blinds. I don't personally hunt out of many ground blinds during whitetail season, turkey season we do, um, but ground blinds, we, I do hunt out of them during maybe a rifle season or something like that. They are, they've kind of taken it to the next level as far as their, their, their door and um, their, their windows. I'm sorry. I lost train of thought there. They're one-way mesh windows where... You know, you can see out, but nothing can see in. It's really, it's a really neat technology. The window systems are awesome. You can shoot a bow out of them. Um, you can, you can hold up to like three people, maybe depending on the size of people, but three or four people in these at one time. So it's good for families getting the kids out and everything. That's what I did in the, in the spring is I uh, had my daughter out with my wife and we could turkey hunt in them and it was awesome. So uh, go check them out at buckbourbon.com. Use the code TFP20 to save some money and uh, get some products over there. And the last two, but certainly not least, G5 Prime. Go to g5prime.com. Check out a new bow, a RevX2. We're a little partial to those, but uh, they're shooting awesome right now. I'm getting ready to uh, do 10 weeks of league with mine here in a minute, and I cannot wait. So uh, go check those out if you're looking for a new bow. And the strings, use the code at americasbestbowstrings.com. Use the code THEFALL to save some money to get yourself a new string. There we go. There keeping it is. The lights on. Yeah, keeping <laughs> the lights on. I know a lot of people are probably complaining, or you can just skip over them if you want, I guess. But um, the thing is, we got to do it because we support them. We use all these products, and it's not just because they're paying us money. I used a lot of these Garmin. I used those products well before. Like Garmin was a perfect example of like their words to me where you've used this for so long now, like I've, and you're doing a really good job for us without even, you know, getting a kickback that it was like, you know, that was pretty neat. Same thing with Helix and ABB was kind of that same way. Um, 
but these these are awesome products. They're products that we would definitely use, and why not give you guys some uh, discounts and everything like that, and be able to go try out these products? Because I think you're going to be, you know, think of them just like we do, and use them, and be very successful with them. To be honest with you, yeah, I always think of you know everything you said. I back, but on top of it you know, great products, but great people also. Like we don't, like all of the, our partners, we have such good relationships with the people inside those those doors also. Great point. Cause that is something that you and I look at like when we're trying to partner with someone, I don't want to be like on the outside. I want to know them personally. Like mm-hmm. I had a conversation with Bryant this morning on the phone, a friend to friend conversation of like, hey, how's the kids? You know, this was that we're talking quarter after eight in the morning over coffee. You know, we're talking on the phone. He's the marketing director for ABB and Helix. And he's like, you need anything? I'm like, nope, we're all good here, you know. And he's we're going to do a podcast with him. But he's wanting to know how Peyton is, wanting to know how my wife is and how the kids are and all that stuff. And it's like we like to have those handshake, hand-to-hand relationships with each other. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and and personally know each other. I don't like those ones where you have to talk to a guy that you might have met twice and you're like they got to relay it to the up higher ups i like to talk to the people that can make the decisions and have a relationship with them because that's me investing in them and them investing in us so that's what i like yeah people over products man for sure okay let's get into this season 23 now that we're 26 minutes into the intro now we got a lot to unpack here today um i guess I don't know really, I don't have any notes, but it's all up in the Onagan here, but mm-hmm. um, I can't remember the last time we did a season 23. It was a while ago. It was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. I think it had to be back in, in the spring uh, sometime, and I'm sure that I know for a fact that there was still a bunch of scouting that we that we had done after that, even before all the trail camera work went out, you know, and but I, I think back about the scouting stuff, and it was, you know, it's it's a lot of what we've already covered in the past season 23 episodes about just covering a lot of ground. Um, but I think what it will play into today is a lot of that scouting in the off season is led to a lot of probably the trail camera talk and the glassing talk that we'll talk about today. But I think, uh, I think you kick us off because you actually, you beat me out there with the trail camera work this year. So you got started a little bit early I think yeah, you start us off with uh, kind of how those first days of trail camera work went for you. Yeah, and just just to go back, our last season 23 episode was on February 17th. We talked sheds, Ooh. rubs, dead bucks that you were finding, and, and uh, prepping scrape locations. So that was the last one, but uh, you hey. know, five months ago. <laughs> yep. so. Just just to not, not to revisit a lot of it, but do you want the total number of uh, deadhead bucks I found this year? Yeah, hit me with it. Take a guess. Uh, thirteen. Ooh, close. Eleven. Jeez, man, yeah. and that's that's like every year for you, though. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, the last three years, every year it's increasing. What's the now, biggest one you found this year? This year, probably about 128 or not 28 about 120 inch probably he's a nine point um, okay yeah right around that 120 maybe a little shy of that 115 120 uh i found a lot of unfortunately it 
it, the majority of the deadheads I found this year were what looked to be, you know, looking at their skeleton and kind of what their rack looked like. Probably a lot of two and a half year olds, honestly. That oh, yeah. that was the majority of them. I think there was seven or eight of those out of the eleven. So that's always that's always a bummer, man. It's always yeah. a bummer. A lot of them I know. A lot of them I know, but some I don't because you know some of these are like one one buck I found. I it was on a piece I've never walked before until this year. So it's uh it's just part of the game. But yeah, I I forgot all about it till you said uh the deadhead comment and on top of it the dog was dragging one out the other night for the weeds boy the wife wasn't too happy about that <laughs> <laughs> he he has a the, the dog's got a knack for finding deadheads when him and I are, are we're out scouting in the off season but then all of a sudden it's like you can almost tell he hasn't been out in the woods in the summertime cuz he goes and pulls them all out of the weeds out behind the house <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. But, yeah, get us into uh, get us into where you want to start off, buddy. Yeah, so I started putting cameras out. I put one out, like I said, the rival out in early April, just because I was testing it basically. Um, so this year I got everything started off on June 29th was the day that I went out and started putting cams out, and I put uh, one, two, um, three three cams out. I only had like, like an hour and a half, two hours to do it. Um, so with prep and scrapes and actually I hung a, a preset that day as well. I had to move a tree, um, for my dad and whoever else wanted to use it. So it's on my family farm. And then, uh, so I got three out that day. And well, the funny thing was, cause you and I share, um, scout tech. So our, all our Exodus cameras, you and I can both see. So like mm -hmm. when we get pictures, we both see them. How about that deer that came in right after I left? How how many yeah. seconds was it there? Thirty-seven. There. Okay, so I go in this location and I prep this scrape and put the camera up, and David texts me a picture of me there, and then thirty-seven seconds later, a doe hitting the scrape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I wasn't even out of the field by then. I, I wasn't even I know. gone. Yeah, because I I can remember when I texted him like. Did you see that? And you're like, what? And you're like, I'm I'm not even done walking out yet. Yeah, you know, I'm like, what the she, hell? Yeah, like she had to be either laying close by or she was on a mission already coming through that area for the day, and she was she was hot on your heels, but like, oh my gosh, maybe maybe she didn't like you in there. I don't know, but I she almost was, wonder because close. I almost wonder if like she was bedded off one of those points in those ridges or something like that and was watching me and. Mm -hmm. You know, and or just came over the hill and didn't know I was there, and I don't know. I didn't spook her. I guess I mean she was had her head up in the the tree. I think if I remember right, and you know, really wanted some of that forehead gland. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I tell you what, um, you know, talking about that exact situation, and I I'm seeing this more and more over the years when doing out, you know, like being out in the summertime doing trail camera work. Sometimes I, I don't wonder if it's a curiosity thing and the fact that they really haven't had much human impact for, you know, basically the last half a year um, outside of like maybe turkey hunting and stuff. But it's like I see so often you can put a trail camera up, especially over a mock scrape and within the next, well, not 37 seconds, that's, that's a record. I've never seen that, but, you know, give it an hour or two and it's like they come in there and they're just, they're it's almost like they they heard you in there right 
and they heard you leave there and they wait till it settles down and they come check it out. But I mean, not not this dough though. Thirty seven seconds was that was quick. <laughs> that was a quick one. <clears throat> um, but I will say, like, you know, I, I'm learning a lot from you. I, I think your trail cam game is elite is in the in the fact of like not that you run like just you know tons of cameras but how analytical you are and methodical you are with your approach and where you hang them and how high you hang them at what angle and what you cut and you know certain directions you point them and where you want like you think of it all so I've been taking a lot from you in the last couple of years on that and I will say that particular camera needs to be closer to that scrape mm-hmm. um you know it's when you get that transitional time when it's going from daylight to dark in the evening, it's very hard to pick out, you know, what kind of antlers are on it and stuff like that. Because I just think the trail cam is too far from the scrape. Now the shitty thing is I don't have a tree other than the scrape tree. That's like that much closer. It's either on the scrape tree or it's that far away, you know? So I really need to figure that out. Um, but I love that location. That is going to be a kill location in in November. You know, I think honestly, when we get back from Kansas, well, other than the one spot, uh, like when we and even right before we go to Kansas, that is a that is a scrape that I'll hunt right before we go to Kansas too. You know, those first couple of days in November, um, that last year because I had a I had a cam on that scrape, and when I pulled that cam and and checked the card. There was, I got to go back and look at the data, but like in the span of like six or seven days right there, there was like three shooters on that in daylight. So yeah, just trying to build that historical data, you know? Yep. Yeah. No, when, when you talked about your concern about the, the camera being a little bit far away from there, um, when I look at the pictures, it, it does have that feel to it. But when I look at the pictures, I also can see there isn't much choice there for a closer tree you know what i mean we're like naturally like that's just a product of that environment right there but um it's it that has the look of the right setup now i know you've been toying around with something new uh why don't you tell us a little bit about the rope scrapes that you've been messing with so yeah i'm i am toying around with i've never used a vine or a rope i've only ever use limbs and people might be asking like why are you trying this and i'm like well just because i'm bored honestly Mm -hmm. i know i you know because i want to try something different um so i've put two of those out so far and this one was an existing scrape and i put it on an existing scrape and then i put another one on just a scrape that i built in the spring that just in a good pinch that i found um and I went back and freshened up and put one on there. So I haven't had like per se any shooter bucks yet hit this scrape. I've had smaller bucks and um, younger does and stuff like that. I I really need to put a camera on video mode to really get the general consensus of how they're reacting to it. Because with it on picture mode, you might see a deer with its nose up to it. But then you might get a picture with the deer like running away and you're like, what's it running away from? Is there another deer chasing around in that in that ridge or did the rope scare him? I don't know yet. 
I'm I think I'm gonna go back and put a camera on there that's just uh that's just video mode and yep. just see how that is. I like I like the thought of a rope scrape because it's something they can play with. It's always gonna be there. It's gonna soak up a lot of uh scent. And once all it takes is one deer. All it takes is one deer to come up and, and wrap its face in that rope and I got him. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think I don't I don't necessarily think if you're doing a rope scrape, I don't think if you put it out for the first time and you think it might be spooking deer, just give it time. I think it's a marathon, not a sprint on those type of deals. I think it might not be hot this year, but as more deer and more deer scent profiles and everything get on it, it's going to be better off. I think looking at this, you know, year two, three, four, five, it's going to just get better and better and better, and it's always going to be there. Yeah. When when you first put it out there, you know, looking at the, the trail cam pictures that I, by no means do I think it was scaring any deer away, but you could tell, like, it seemed like they were a little hesitant to close into that, let's say that two to three foot radius around it. They were standing at that, like, six to ten foot radius around it, and they their necks were stretched out and you could tell they were like, they're curious, they're smelling, you know, exactly what you want. But over the last couple of weeks, as it's spent more time just being there naturally, you're starting to see all those deer creep in a little more. They're standing in that scrape now. They're, you know, their noses are making contact with that rope. So like you said, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of the long game with it. You know, they got to get used to it. And, and you know, that was brand new rope too. There's probably something to be said about that also. Yeah. I went to, I went to tractor supply at about 17 foot of it and I cut them all at three foot and I got the rope. It's like a hemp rope, but there's no chemical in it. It's just a braided rope. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't wash them or nothing like that. I know you kind of told me that Don Higgins likes to, to soak them in, and stuff and i didn't do any of that i was just like well i'm gonna try it this way to see if it's good or bad and it rained like a couple days after that so i gotta imagine it being soaked in and i doused it with forehead gland so i mean there's gonna be some scent on them i mean it was that rope was probably sitting in tractor supply for months you know yeah oh yeah chicken feed and dog food and like i mean it's gonna have scent in it so like I said, like like both of us said, I think it's going to be the long game and just kind of see how it goes. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. 
Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Well, and, and that's the thing is like, it's, it's, it's a great way to experiment with something. You know what I mean? Like you don't know until you try it. And then, you know, the ability that trail cameras gives us, like it will tell us, they'll, they'll tell us if the, those deer like it or not, you know? And, and, uh, sometimes I think you hear guys say, well, they're not used to something like that, that it takes them a while to get used to it. Well, maybe, but I also believe that when you give give it, you know, especially a buck or deer in general, if you give them something in the in an area that they don't have, like the, it could even be that much more powerful at times. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah, and that and that's kind of what I'm looking for. That's kind of I'm looking for something that they might, quote unquote, not have mm-hmm. that might just turn them inside out and in yep. a good way, and they like it. The so. the best the best mock scrapes that I ever make are in areas that when I've scouted it and it's like, I cannot believe there's not a scrape on here on say, I can't believe there's not a scrape on this Island or I cannot believe there's a scrape. There isn't a scrape on this transition. Well, sometimes there isn't one there just because it doesn't, there's the, the correct tree or the correct licking branch just isn't there to support a scrape for the those deer to use. And when you build a scrape in a spot that there should be one, but there there just hasn't been one because of for some reason, those mock scrapes are the most powerful ones that I find. I like that. I like that. Yeah. yeah, so I mean that was basically that day in a nutshell. And then the next day, I mean after that, I had like an hour to run out And this is where, so back in the spring, if you guys remember, I found a buck bed and we talked about it. I found a buck bed looking over my, our cabin. And it was, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was one of the best buck beds I've ever found. Doesn't matter what state I'm in, what terrain I'm in, nothing. It it just, it, it made so much sense. And, uh, I wanted to put a camera on it and, for one reason, I want to learn. I want to learn more about betting because if there's one thing that pisses me off most about a lot of people you hear talk is they talk in matter of facts and they talk like, you know, that deer's bedded there. Well, have you seen that deer bedded there? I feel like there's a lot of people that just talk in matter of facts and it's black and white when really there's not hardly any black and white answers in hunting and whitetails, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So this might be an unpopular opinion or whatever you want to call it. I want to learn more, but I we don't talk in matter of facts a lot unless we visually see it. You know what I mean? 
Uh, I could tell you that a buck beds in that same area every day and make you believe that, but I, I don't know. I really mm. don't know, you know? So I'm more curious. So I, I put a camera on this bed and there's two smaller spines that come off of this. It's it's a point bed. It's right off of points. It's the, it's the, it's the tallest ridge on the whole farm, okay? And it's it's textbook, but it's got two two point or two saddles, whatever you want to call them, two um, what would you call them? Like ridges, I guess, or you know, spines coming up to the bed. I'll call them a spine. So it's you know, it's basically like a if you know a dirt bike track, like a whoop section in a way. You know, it goes up and then it back down, and there's like drainages, you know. But they're they're very, you know, what you might. Th- hear people talk about in hill country it's not that defined it's very like very like gradually rolling but there's spines there and you can see on a map on e-scouting that there is a spine going up the hill well with this buck bed i i figured this would be a good morning location to sit to try to kill this deer coming back into bed now in my experience and i have not hunted a lot of morning bedding or points like this, but from what I've experienced and the people that I find credible and talk about this, when a deer J hooks into his bed, it's very unpredictable. You do not know how big his J hook is. It could be 30 yards. It could be 300 yards. You just don't, and nobody really knows. I don't think there's, like I said, there's no black and white on it. I really just, and if, if, if somebody does talk in a black and white, I don't believe you because I don't think that's something you can predict. Like I really don't. Um, so there's two, those two ridges or two spines going up there. That's how I felt like that deer was on a Southwest wind. That's how he would J hook up to his bed. So I went down the ridge down the spine that I think he's going to be coming up. And I, I was, I was, uh, scouting these, both of these spines and, and I was finding good trails, but there was one trail that really stuck out to me and it was a faint trail. Okay. So the trails I, that where I was finding were very worn down. Okay. And they weren't necessarily coming up the ridge. They were more like paralleling it. You know what I mean? What's told me it was probably a lot of does, younger deer, um, a lot of stuff being used right now in, you know, a, more of a food pattern uh, uh, transition. But I found this one faint trail. And I'm talking faint, like, where you think maybe only a couple deer have ever went up of it, up it. Now, is is that why it stood out to you? Because it was so faint compared to the other trails? Or was there something else that was grabbing your attention? Yeah. So what what made me stop right there? So I, I kind of hooked down from the bed, down the spine, the, the first spine. And I came to an opening. It's 40 yards from the bed. Okay. And it's down the ridge. But it's right on top of the spine. And there's an opening about as big as my pickup. Okay. Where there's like, really wasn't a tree didn't grow there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, it just felt like really hubby. It was like, I felt like, you know, a lot of these trails came together right here, but n- none of the trails went up to the bed or went up to the J hook where I thought he'd be J hooking. And I'm kind of sitting there and I'm dissecting. It took me 10, 15 minutes just walking around. Like, and I looked and I'm like, I could see this, this trail 
and it was right next to a couple saplings and and I could just see it was just not I don't know it just, it just like caught my eye it was just like man that I think that's a trail you know and then I'm thinking to myself I'm like and it was it was heading right up towards the bed and it was the only one heading up that way that I could find I'm like I bet you that's a trail that faint one that that a buck would use to hook into this bed so I started taking I started walking it back away from the bed to see where it would pop out or what it would be doing and it led to me to another opening, bigger, uh, in a little CRP field. And it just made all the sense. That didn't really make the sense of like, yeah, that's the one he's using. But the location on where our cabin is located and where it popped out, it made sense that so that where that's where he'd be hooking because of where the cabin was. I could see the cabin. <laughs> I mean, he's hooking around this thing, basically. Yeah. And uh you- so, Go ahead. Do you believe do you believe that there's any chance that he could be also using that to exit? Also? Very, very no? well, very well could, but the reason why I thought it was going to be an entry is just thermal based. I thought yeah. all the thermals would be dumping down here and he it just is it felt so bulletproof. The the ridge that he's 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 betting on everything on the south and the west and the north of him is all pretty flat in a way. I mean, there's it's really, really gradual downslope, and I don't think it's much for thermals. And we get we always get like a westerly wind, so you could hunt this on a west wind would be perfect on a southwest and a just off. This trail set up perfect for a just off wind for a southwest. Yeah. That's what the so, other thing that was like. This is to me a no brainer. So his his final approach right there, he's he's walking east to west into that bed. Yeah. So where that CRP field is, he would be walking more east west. But as he's going up the spine, he'd be walking straight southwest. Okay. Starts quartering a little bit. He starts quartering. Yeah. Okay. And that trail took me about. Uh, 24 yards to the west of his bed, of that bed, okay? Mm-hmm. That's where I felt like the hook was, okay? So I feel like he's got the whole wind, the whole wind, everything, everything, everything. Then he's going to take a turn, and he's just going to bed right in there. That's yeah. what I felt. Um, And I found a perfect tree, so I'm like, for, to set up. Like, And it's 40 yards. I'm going to, I would try to hunt this deer 40 yards from his bed. I, I wouldn't try to hunt right on the bed. I think I think you're going to kill him on this opening 40 yards from the bed because I feel like he would be moving up this spine, and when he gets to this opening, it would almost be like a last thermal check of because mm. he would start quartering more away from the wind at this. I mean, he'd still have the wind, but he'd start – maybe letting his guard down a little bit more and how the thermals I think would be dumping off this hill. This would be the last little like, okay, here we go. Going to go get in this bed kind of thing. If that makes sense. That's where my train of thought is. Um, And, and there's only going to be a very short window there most mornings because you got to think like the way that topography lays there, those thermals are going to be going up, but there's somewhere in there where they're not going to be doing a whole lot of stuff, you know, like, 
when that sun comes up, they're going to be headed up most of the time in the mornings. Yep. But before then, before that sun comes up, that that's when he has the biggest advantage. Yeah. If he decides to come to bed a little bit late, he's at a disadvantage at that point. One, daylight. Two, thermals are starting to rise. And at that point, he has to use, he, he gets the wind. That's it. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And so I put a, just a regular trail cam right on where that faint trail meets all those other trails on that spine looking right at that. So I'm going to refer and I, I got a pull. That's a card pull, which is fine, but I've got to refer from that camera to what I've seen to kind of put the pieces together. But you know, this is a learning experience. I'm just trying to learn where this deer's J hook is now. I'd have to go back and look what day it was, but I had a buck do this the other day. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the best way I can paint this picture is, so the bed is up on a hill, on, on a point, okay? The top part of the hill. The way this deer would be laying in his bed is he would be facing northeast or north, north, northeast. He'd be facing that. The wind would be out of the southwest or west coming over his back and the thermals dumping down over the hill. When he would be coming up into this bed, I figured he would be coming from the northeast up to his bed that would be southwest of him, okay? Hopefully that paints a good enough picture for everybody. Now, I do have a cell cam on his bed. The bed, the bed camera is a cell cam. So I'm sitting in there, sitting there, it's like 8.30 in the morning and my camera goes off and I look and I see it's a buck coming into this bed. And I immediately go to my weather app and it's a west wind. Okay. He's coming from the Northeast. He was using this bed exactly how I thought it was. The only kicker is he didn't hook as far to the West as I thought he was going to hook. He did his hook lower in the bottom and just came right up the spine right into his bed. Okay. So I was a little off. A, l- a little off, but I haven't pulled that card yet to figure out if he came by that on that faint trail yet. I think mm-hmm. what had happened is I think because it was more of a west wind, he used the spine that was more was better for the west wind. I'm set up on the spine that's good for a southwest wind. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And there's another spine coming right up into that bed that's basically straight east of that bed that, like, you know, I didn't cover that one. But he came in and he sniffed around a little bit pictures kept coming through and then I got nothing and I'm like shit what happened you know and with the cell cams you can you can tell them to take a picture and I I wanted it to take a picture and it sent me a picture and I sent it to you how about it he was laying right in that bed and all four legs out like a dog like a dog lays on its side that's how that deer was laying in that bed and he was laying exactly how he should be laying in a bed with the wind coming over his back, looking down the hill. I mean, he laid there for two hours and then finally the camera went off again and it shows him getting out of bed. And then he basically, I, it wasn't a wind switch. It was still out of the West, but when he left his bed, he went straight Southwest. So he still was cutting the wind at his nose and there you go. (laughs) <laughs> do you uh, do you 
in your opinion, do you think that the size in the route of that J hook could change as human pressure increases closer to October one and leading in to the fall also? Yes. Um, good point. I also think the maturity level of the deer is going to change and the, and, and I think they're going to use it somewhat the same, but the buck that did come in was only a year and a half old buck, which it is what it is. He's still, and as we're talking here, I, I get another picture of a bigger buck using it, but he came in at a different angle and that's another whole bag of worms. I haven't broke down yet, but, um, I think you're right. I think as the pressure mounts, I think it comes into the farm. I think it may change a little bit, but to hunt this spot, you know, it's going to take an anomaly to happen. It's going to take mm -hmm. something. The stars have to align from here to Timbuktu because with it being so close to my cabin, nobody can be up there hunting that morning. Nobody can be up there at the cabin at all. Uh, we cannot use the, the entry our normal entry that we use to the cabin, we cannot use it. You cannot come in from that way because it is our destination food source. I think that's where the deer is hooking from. It's coming in. So you can't use that. You have to come in from the back. You have to park almost two miles away, and it is a long hike in the morning. It is, mm -hmm. which is no big deal. It can happen. But it's going to take a move like that and for him to do it that day, boy, I mean, you're talking less than a percent of a percent of a percent of happening. Like your yeah. odds are so not in your favor that, you know, but it'd be cool to try it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I got an idea, but I, I want to hit on this on this J hook real quick first. Um, the reason I asked about if you thought it might change as human pressure increases going into the fall is you you scouted that faint trail in the off season directly after yep. hunting season there's a reason that that trail was there and you read it most likely correctly so like i wouldn't you know i know you're not going to but for the listeners if if you're in a situation like that don't disregard that just because the one deer showed you something different in the summertime the summertime bedding in trail system can be totally different then the fall bedding in trail systems being used. They can still, the same ones can still be used, but you know, we're sitting here talking about this J hook. The J hook may get a little bit bigger in the fall so they could check a little bit more before they make that final descend into that bed for the, the day, you know, but yeah, trust, I would, you know, trust, trust your scouting. You know what I mean? Like you, you scouted that. There was a reason you gravitated towards that faint trail. You walked that system. When, you know, when that sign was there after the season, trust that for sure, man. And for the idea of a way to get, get that buck killed, maybe is like you said, a lot of things are going to have to line up properly. And one would be the weather forecast first, first things first, right? Cause you, you have a formula and a recipe for a deer to be there. You know what that takes. And it may be, it may be getting dropped off there the day before staying the night there but having no vehicles there that next morning and getting up and slipping up in there or something have the wife drop you off the night before you know stay the night there no lights no noise slip up there in the morning and, and try it but that will be a spot 
that I will be very interested to watch as the human pressure increases, especially, you know, well, first off, when they start losing their velvet, what happens? You know what I mean? Because I see that a lot, a lot, you know, pressured bedding compared to non-pressured bedding is can be so much different. Not that they can't both be used, but the amount they're being used can be a big difference. Nailed it. You nailed it right there because this bed doesn't get activity every day. This bed is not a bed that a buck comes back to every day, every other day, every third day, every fourth day. After that first buck came in and they're bedded, the first time, which was, let me give you a little context if I can find the picture here, is, you know, and, that, and that's the thing. It's like a lot of a lot of people ask, like, how much or how many times does a buck, I mean, does a buck use the same bed over and over? You know, that that's a question that gets used a lot. Now, um, so he came in there and bedded up that day would have been da, 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 right there. It would have been July 4th. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at today as we're recording this, it's July 12th. There has yet to be another buck in there since then until today, until right now. We're recording yeah. this at like noon 30. Okay. Like, I think if you're on a remote piece of ground somewhere, whether it's private, whether it's public, I don't I don't know. If you're remote somewhere and you put a camera in a bed, yeah, that buck might bed there every day because he's not getting any pressure. This camera or this bed is 200 yards from our deer camp. Last weekend, there was like a dozen people up to our ca- cabin on Sunday and a couple mm-hmm. on Saturday, you know, Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, it might be something where somebody might just drive through one day. Like it's going to be so inconsistent, you know? Um, and to go back to your point, as far as like as big as a J hook, I feel a deer's J hook gets bigger, could get bigger. I'm not going to talk about matter of fact, cause I don't know. I think it could get bigger in the sense of where I'm at as it gets far or closer to November. And the reason why I say this, is because in my spring scouting as well, farther Northeast, I'm going to say it's probably three to 400 yards farther to the Northeast of this bedding location. There is a big hub scrape. Okay. And I found another bed buck bed on another point that sets up just like this. Okay. That hub scrape, I feel like is a scrape that a deer would J hook from to check. You know, he would go and check that scrape before he checks these, these, these bedding locations or where he wants to bed up for the day. Now, I wish I had a map of it so I could show everybody. But if you were to draw a straight line from the bed that we've been talking about, northeast, three to 400 yards to this hub scrape, basically in the middle between the bed we're talking about and the hub scrape, that is where the other point bedding lays. Now, this is my thought process. Let's say the DRJ hooks in, hits that scrape to check, see if there's any does there. He's going to come up the first spine, which is going to get him to the first bed that we had not talked about. Depending on time of the day, time of the morning, you know, how daylight is getting, if he thinks he's safe, he could stop and bed there. But if not, there are white and red oaks in between that bed and the next bed in the ridge with that faint trail that he could stage up and feed. And then may, might be like, well, I can get to that other bed because that lends him to another doe bedding area above that bed. 
So I know that's a lot thrown out there, but that's just my mind going like how this deer could essentially use two beds in different scenarios in the same morning. You might pick bed number two, but he stopped at one mm-hmm. and that's just where he wants to be. You know? Yeah. Yep. Well, and the nice thing is, is, you know, that you have that trap already set up, you know what I mean? So now it's, now we get to sit back and monitor it, you know? And, and now that here's another example of, you know, let's just say someone had the same scenario and they're getting discouraged because, you know, the, the, the big buck that they're after isn't using it yet. Well, there's something else I've noticed about that bed right now. There is a, there is a doe and there is a fawn in there that Two frequently fawns. are there often. That tells They're probably close because they're often there during the middle of the day. Guess what? He may not like that company right now. And that's okay. They, hey, if he's not going to bed there at any time, let's do it in the off season because I want him there during season. And sometimes that that could be that could be part of the puzzle too is that he doesn't like the the other company that's bedded close there. You know that may change in the fall because you know how the the fawns they start you know venturing a little more in the fall. Then the moms has to get them under control. They could be bedded somewhere else. You know there, there's a lot of different factors going on there. But um, I tell you for for anyone that you know is trying to learn the J hooks and stuff one of the easiest ways and it's still not easy but if i had to pick a train to go do this to if you could go find some public land or maybe even have some private land that holds it but if you can get into the the type of swamp that you know is it could be marshy with cattails or just a thick swamp that holds water where basically the the trail systems are so visual to the human eye that it, it's so thick that a lot of the trail systems, they, they only kind of have one choice in them. If you can go out there and find a high spot and find, you know, a for sure buck bed or bedding in general, okay, of any kind. In the off season, this is usually a lot easier. From that bed, you can get on one of those waterway trails. It's, it's going to have water in it. Those, those are the kind of swamps I'm talking about. That you can walk those trails that are filled with water. And it's so thick with the cattails or the brush that you can walk those and see the J hooks. You can visually see them because of the vegetation, the way that the swamp, you know, how it grows, how it rolls in there. You can see them. The, the situation Aaron is talking about today, those are tough. That, that's a hardwoods, you know, where that J hook, you know, it could be 30 yards. It could be 300 yards. Dep- every situation is different. But the way you're trying to read it with the trail system in there, those are the toughest ways, in my opinion. The marshes, you get into the, like those cattail marshes, boy, it's it looks like a textbook out there. You can just read it plain yeah. as day. Yeah, it's a great point, too, because the stand loca- or the tree location where I plan on hunting him out of is, I mean, it is cutting the wind close. I mean, if there's any, if there's more west than a southwest out of there, if he does do that that morning and does exactly what I think he's going to do, boy, if there's any more West than that, I am going to be screwed before I even see him. Yeah. You know, so there's like a fine line of being able to to shoot that trail, but still give him the wind. It's so, mm-hmm. that's why you don't see a lot of guys doing that, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a, it's less than a percent of a percent of a percent that it'll work, but it's kind of cool. I mean, kind of cool the, if it did work. <laughs> oh, dude, you're not kidding. I mean, that is that is 
a great way to kill a mature buck, you know, but, you know, more than, you know, probably 98% of that battle is him actually picking to use that bed that day. Like, you know what I mean? Where That's what like, I'm saying. You, you could do everything right. The weatherman could actually be right that day too. You know what I mean? And got in there clean, silent. Thermals are doing the right thing. The wind's doing the right thing. The cloud cover, it's giving you everything you want. But guess what? If he decides to do something else that day, it's, you're not even in the chips, man. I know. But it's cool. The whole process is cool to try to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, it, you know, what else I love there is that sounds like a lot of talk. A lot of talk that we did there. But that's the kind of homework for one trail camera location. That's just one. You know what I mean? Where it's like, but all of that, like we've talked in other podcasts before, this isn't just wandering out there and put a, a trail camera up somewhere. These, these are pre-planned, scouted spots. You've thought about it. Why one needs to go there. Prep the location before the camera even goes there. Like there's a lot that goes into it. And guess what? Not every one of these will pay off. Well, guess we are learning. We are learning along the way what's working and what doesn't work. And what works this year, that could completely change there next year. Who knows? Who mm -hmm. the buck that was bet the buck that was used that bed last all fall, the buck that sh made that faint trail that you're reading, he could be dead. He's that, probably not that's alive. The truth. <laughs> he, he he could be dead. Now we got to figure out. Okay, is he alive? And if he isn't, is a new buck going to do this? Because I tell you what, that is something that I believe in. You know, one but you know. This, when you find some of those best bedding areas on a property, when one buck gets killed out of there that was calling that place home, it won't be long after, man. It sure seems like one will move right in and start using the same the same routine. Yeah, that's for sure, man. And that's just the game that we play. That's the mm -hmm. fun. That's the funness of it all, I guess. So. Yeah, but that's just, that's. I just, What's that? I love that. I love that. That's just one piece to the puzzle right there. Oh, dude. And there's so many pieces. It's like a thousand piece puzzle you're trying to put together. And so, and it's like all the pieces are cut the same and they all look the same. And it's like, what do you do? You know, you yeah. just, it's throwing shit at a lot, <laughs> throwing shit at a wall a lot and just seeing what sticks, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yep. Yep. But other than that, I've been kind of ramping up my a little bit uh, gradually, I guess you can say my glassing, getting a spotter mm -hmm. out and trying to acquire that target, you know, and haven't done that quite yet. I got a lot more cameras to deploy and I need to do uh, that's something I might do this this weekend, which which as you guys are listening, to, which would have been last weekend. So um, there's some locations I need to get out for more inventory per se and, and just to see what the heck's out there and what's made it through. So yeah. that's kind of where well, I sit right now. Yeah, I got a question for you. You know, now that we're here in the mid-July, you know, if you were to pick one side or the other, how are the bucks looking around you? Do, do you feel they're right on pace of normal or do you feel like they're a little bit be behind? Where, where are you at up there? I feel like I'm, I feel like on average we're a week behind what it normally should be right now. Um, last night, Alyssa and Peyton and I, glass some fields and i just there wasn't a lot of like like usually by now there are a you know quite a few deer that are you, you would kill right now you know what i mean okay. already established already you know 110 inches like good twos good threes like mm -hmm. 
I honestly, man, I think I've seen maybe one right now. So it just, it's, I think it's a week behind. And I think the, the drought that we had, I mean, I was back in the one acre, you know, today and there's always standing water in there in the, in a Creek. That creek's dried up. It's the first time I've seen it dried up since, you know, we started hunting this in 2016. First time I've never seen water in it. Yeah. You know, yeah, you got to think if we didn't, you know, shit, I, I only mowed the grass like one time in the month of June and it, it, that was more of the weeds that were in it. I think, you know, it's yeah that, uh, we, we went for a long time without rain, even, even though we're starting to slowly see increase of rainfall around here. We're still, man, I, I felt like my grandpa told me how far, you know, below we were right now. And I can't remember, but it, the number is pretty large. Yeah. So I, I do think they're a little bit behind. I think they'll finish out. My gut tells me they'll finish out where they probably need to be. But I think, um, I think we're a little behind personally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're getting there, buddy. Before you know, it'll be August. And, uh, and in my opinion, you give me that last week of July and that first week of August. I think that is when you know who is who and some of the best days to actually see them up on their feet. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, three bucks made it from through for me this year and you know, looking for them. And I think if I had cameras right now I could identify one's got a broken ear. I just haven't picked them up yet. But um the other one the one's gonna be pretty Actually, the other two might be difficult to identify. One's got a pretty distinct brow tine that if he has that same characteristic this year, that'll be easy. But the other one, I don't know how I'm going to figure out who he is, but we'll see. So, <laughs> How many more cameras you got to go? Oh, man. Um, if I was to depl- If I was to deploy all of them, which I, I, I didn't plan on deploying all of them, Cause I like to have a few going into season that I keep in my pack. If I, you know, scouting around, if I find a location that I can throw one on, um, let me see. I think I got like eight or nine more to put out. That wouldn't be all of them though. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like you're about halfway done with the trail camera summer work? I do. I do. Um, but every, every day that I look, that I think about it, I look on the map or something like that. I'm like, man, it'd be nice to have a camera in there, man. It'd be nice to have a camera right there. And it's like, you know, so, um, I feel like I'm probably about half done. I, I feel like I don't, if I wasn't to deploy another camera for another two weeks, I'd be okay with it. I've scratched the itch. We're good. You know, um, I'm good right now. So <laughs> I have this thing. It's like, once I start, I have a hard time not getting them all <laughs> out, man. It's like, it's so bad. I mean, hell there's even been years that it's like, I wouldn't even save any for hunting season. Like my OCD would kick in and they all had to be out. They all had to be working by uh, this hard date on the calendar, man. I used to be like that really, really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And and because I think the deer are a little behind, I think that has me a little hesitant as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in now, nowadays what's crazy is like these, these cameras, they can, their battery life is so good on them. Where like before it'd be like, okay, if I put them out now, I'm gonna have to change batteries twice before deer season rolls around. Yep. We're like, shit, I you know, I put them out now, that's it. You know, they should be good all summer, 
all fall but you know we're, we're also not putting them on you know mineral sites and stuff we can't do that here in michigan we're like that would be a lot different we're you know it's not like we're looking at thousands of pictures a day right now right yeah i mean i think two of the cameras i put out i mean you've got access to those i don't even think they've taken a picture in the last four or five days of a deer <laughs> you know what i mean and you know i was talking to dan johnson on the last fall sessions we've done uh, if nobody's heard that, Dan and I, Dan had me on his podcast for seven or eight episodes and he called it the fall sessions, but we just talked about this kind of same, I posed a question to him and you and I've talked about him before, but like, you know, two of those cameras that I put out are very deep in the timber where, you know, you might only get one deer passing through in about four or five days. And I've got two cameras and I'm like, I asked you the question the other day. I was like, am I spinning my wheels? But my whole thought process behind that is I know those locations are going to heat up as it gets closer to, to sh uh, shedding velvet and into the fall and stuff like that. And I really, I want my whole thought process is I want to get them out now. They're on, they're both on mock scrapes. I want to get them out now. If the deer do see the cameras, get them used to them. And the other thing is I, a lot of times I'm sitting those cameras, you know, in July and they're going to run until January, February. Like, I don't want to mm. have to go, you know, that big transition comes up to where you're like, okay, we got to get them off field edges. We got to get them on scrapes and get them in rut funnels and, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, I like to set some of those cameras in those funnels or on those scrapes beforehand because in my, my instance as well as like when it comes to transition those cameras who knows how much time i'm gonna have to be able to do that so mm -hmm. i always fight with myself if i'm if i'm fighting spinning my wheels you know because my wasting money on batteries that you know i don't know so just me being scatterbrained i guess <laughs> <laughs> i i always like to have them in place man it's like especially you know i know up there at the cabin that's pretty good acreage up there but a lot of a lot of times some of the uh if i a lot of my private maybe smaller pieces and i need to know when they move in there you know what i mean it was like yeah I, I may know that he's not supposed to show up to that third week of october but if all of a sudden he shows up earlier than what he's supposed to i need to know that i need to know that information and so it's like man i just gotta get him out there gotta get him out there right now but well and the other thing too is like i almost don't i i put those locations there those deeper ones and I almost don't want to see those bucks there right now. Like if I know they're there right now, they're not going to be there in the fall. So yep. I want to see them move in to that spot where I think they're going to move in, you know? Uh, so that's another using cameras to, to, to see deer pictures, have them take pictures is great. But if you reverse that process and it's like, well, it's not getting him there or a deer that you're looking for, that can be good too. Yep. Yeah. Another, I, I'd tell you, this is another good example. Um, I have an area that it's, you know, the camera's on a scrape that's, you know, pretty deep into the, the, the woods, kind of woods, swampy area. But outside there, their main food source is a bean field. But that, that bean field is, I would guess it looks to be about, three weeks late compared to everyone else in the neighborhood, you know, and it's a good size, probably about 80 acres or so. So it's a good size field. But I put that camera in there with a the thought. I knew that most likely I won't have much activity 
all summer because there's going to be a hell of a lot more better beans other places. But I also know when I start watching those other beans turn yellow, these beans outside this woodlot will not be yellow. And I would not be a bit surprised if all of a sudden that camera starts heating up at the end of September, you know, kind of when the, you know, here in Michigan, that's when I see a lot of beans start to change middle September to the end of September. And when they start changing, they change quick. Now that's when that camera start heating up. It's there now it's waiting for it. It's waiting for that shift. But right now I'm okay with it. You know, it's not like I'm going to go in there right now and kill a deer. I can go glass areas to figure out if there's one, a good one in that area, that camera, it'll be there waiting for that shift in the end of September. Yeah. And you know, I've had movement shift into a camera. That's what I'm setting up for. And when it's, yep. it's cool to see that when the movement shifts in there and it's like, okay, we're getting really close to the opener. You're more than likely going to be here or in this area. Like, and you know, you're, you've just validated what you've scouted all spring and then maybe into the summer and now you can act on it. So I, re I really like that as well. Yeah, especially, you know, I got I got cameras on islands way back in swamps that there there's not going to be deer back then in the summertime. But guess what? I'd rather get back there now and get that camera hung and that scrape built than having to do that, you know, two weeks out from season because when when they do have that velvet shed and there is that amplified human pressure, usually in September of guys going out there and put their stands up, you know, on a lot of these properties other guys can hunt or whether it be public land, I start seeing those deer start shifting back and I'd much rather get that work done now, even though it's, it's hotter than hell, the bugs are bad. It's humid out the weather. It's not, there's, there's no true enjoyment about it, but you still love it. I'd rather yep. go do it now than I do it at the end of September per se, when the deer will actually be in there. Yeah. No, I agree. What, uh, what have you gotten done so far? How many cameras you got out? What, uh, what's cooking on your end of things? Well, I, uh, so I was just out yesterday, man. It's, it seems like the last, uh, two weeks I've been out about every two to three days, um, kind of running different loops. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, people may, they, I may come across that I'm out there a ton where I'm out there a lot of days, but it's a lot of times it's three to four hour windows. The same with my scouting. It seems like my trail camera work is the same, you know. So right now it's 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 probably three or four days a week I'm out there. I've got looks I've got about twelve cameras out right now. But twelve cameras out is spread across one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm, I'm across seven properties right now, seven dif different pieces of land, and I still have six to go. So <laughs> I still have my work cut out in front of me, but that's uh, my, my nets spread really wide right now, really wide. And when I start locating a couple of the higher end deer, I'll start tightening that in. And if I need to shift some cameras, I'll do that. But I'm spread across a lot of ground right now. Um, trying to look for some familiar faces, uh, found one. Uh, he seems to be ahead of most other deer in the area. Uh, not going to be really high scoring, but be a, be a cool story. Uh, you, you and I both, I think we're both uh, suckers for a good story. So we'll see how he ends up. But I've, I can already tell you right now, that buck right there, 
he's covering ground. He's covering well over a mile a lot of times every week. He's, you know, thinking back to talking to Lee Herr and uh, Jared Aridoti, like the cycles of some of these more mature bucks and this big uh, ag ground, that buck seems to do that. And it's about two years of history of that deer doing that. So that will be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, you know, been on big pieces, small pieces. I got three pieces of uh, public land to cover still. And I just got a brand new piece, brand new piece of property. Finally, man, I, you and I were talking not too long ago. I've, I felt like I was really struggling, really struggling this year, getting a new piece, um, kind of come across a new one by a, uh, somewhat of a new tactic that I've been trying with uh, private land the last two years. Don't probably not going to talk about it on the podcast <laughs> here right now, but uh, it's uh, it's seemed been working. Uh, not every time, but it's working decent. It's a really small piece. It is, yeah, it's the smallest piece I have now. But what's interesting is it's a vacant piece of property. Of never the landowners never walked the entire thing. Uh, doesn't even live around it. Um, looks to be in a pretty good neighborhood. I will, I'll be doing some glassing around there to kind of see what I might be looking at. I did throw a camera up on there. It seems to, uh, it's got a couple of small bucks, year and a half old bucks. Uh, there's a doe and a fawn that is in there nonstop. I feel like I must've been really close to where they're, they're calling home right now, but I'm excited for that piece just to, it's the unknown, right? Like it's something that I, I didn't get to walk in the off season. I just walked it this, you know, two weekends ago, basically. And just the, just the unknown, what, who knows what might show up there? You know what I mean? It's, I've never got to hunt a vacant piece of property. So never, you never know, but yeah, a lot of, a uh, lot of scrape work going on right now. Uh, you know, out of my 12 cameras, I think probably 10 of them are on scrapes right now. That's kind of my go-to especially you know not only in the fall but summertime since we can't do minerals i've i've had a lot of good luck uh running cameras on scrapes even in the summertime but yeah it's uh we're we're started we're off and running uh been out glassing you know i, I spend two to four nights glassing um i seen an absolute michigan giant uh last week my daughter bailey and i did it's a hundred percent no-go tried for years around that area it is it is a it's a big no-no not going to be hunting there and let me tell you he was he was big buddy how big was how big was he i think he's already he's already touching 50 right now he's he's 150 right now in july no questions no questions the only question is is if he was a clean five by five or is he a six by six i can't tell i i he's that big if he's a six by six what is he (laughs) <laughs> what is he gonna be or what is he right now what I mean, is he right I'm now i'm just i'm just going by the look of his frame right now yeah you know like it's it's easily countable 10 points no questions asked i mean his he already had you know like for his fours i was guessing his fours were already three or four inches his fours alone brow times over eight inches a piece easy um it's unfortunate that you know, who knows what's going to happen to that deer. <laughs> I'm not going to say too much. Uh, he's a ways away from my house. I, all that's all I'm going to say, but it's, uh, it's unfortunate that, uh, I can't hunt him, boy. Cause I, 
I try like hell. I tell you what, I, I try every year. Just it is what it is. But outside of seeing that deer, I'm going to be honest, uh, you know, I, I cover five counties quite a bit, you know, hunting and working that uh, I have a gut feeling that that uh, the target list may be a little small this year. That's my gut feeling yeah. right now. I hope I'm proven wrong. I really do. Um, I Even though I have that gut feeling, I don't like openly talking about it because years past have always proven that there's, there's, there's some windows in August where it's all of a sudden like some of the biggest deer I've ever found and hunted don't show up till then. So that's okay. That's, that's, I can live with that. Why, why do you think the target list will be smaller? Uh, just from a, you know, even though it's going to sound crazy to a lot of people, even though I've only had cameras out for a week, uh, what I've seen in that week and the, the glassing that I've done and I, I, you know, everyone's target is a little bit different. Right. And I've seen some nice deer. I, it looks like a lot of two and a half year old deer to me. That that's what I, I feel like I'm seeing. Okay. Maybe the antler maybe the antler growth is a little bit far behind. Hell, I sent you a picture the other night at a scrape. There's two different bucks at it. The one buck looks like he ate the other buck. He looks like he's <laughs> twice as big. And he doesn't have twenty inches of antler on top of his head right now. Like what yeah. <laughs> like it it looks it that that, that buck's antler growth looks like it's may 1st right now you know what i mean where it's like literally the 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 smaller bodied buck has more antler growth going on than the i'm and i'm not shitting you the bigger buck looked like he ate the small buck <laughs> his body looks like that you yeah know, but <laughs> well we'll see i mean you know like i said driving around just just what i'm kind of seeing across these counties it just and i know there's going to be some out there a, a new face will show up but you know, not only with what I'm seeing, but I also know what I have returning from last year. And, uh, poof, man, it's, it's not, it's not the greatest. It's not the greatest, but we're, uh, I will give it hell all summer long trying to find, I, you know, I don't want just one or two targets. I like to have about six or eight if I'm going to be honest. Oh yeah, for sure. But, yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I got going on right now, man. Outside of, you know, you know, poison ivy is fully kicked in. I <laughs> like it is every, everyone's I see everyone post pictures that like trail camera season has started and they put a you know picture up of trail cameras and all I all I have thought about putting a picture up is the poison ivy soap because that is the official kickoff to trail camera season. When I got poison ivy on the wrists and forearms, boys, it is trail camera season. <laughs> She's here, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> She's here. Yep. Yeah, but no, it's uh, it the day you know those these days right now in the summertime, you know, running these big trail camera loops. It's like you get home, gotta take all your clothes off in the garage because they're just so nasty. You know, there's the bugs, and you know there's poison ivy on them. Just, just uh, when you're out there, you know as much as it you know it feels like it sucks, but when it all comes together in the fall, you think back of these days. You think back of the day, maybe you first seen the buck in the spotting scope that you shot or or maybe on camera and it's like, dude, it's it's all worth it. You have to love these days just as much as the days that uh, you decide to let an arrow rip. Yeah, for sure. And and um, I got like I got like maybe a hot tip for poison ivy. OK, OK. Or, or a poison oak. Now, this might be something that 
people have, you know, been privy to. And I, I found this out from a old boy, I don't know, probably eight, nine years ago. Now, I'm a person that looks at poison ivy or poison oak, don't have to touch it, and I get it. I mm-hmm. get it so bad, and I, there's just no way around it. I just get it. I know every time going into the woods that I'm going to have a spot on my hand or something on my wherever. Like, I, I just get it. So um, about six or seven years ago, eight years ago, whenever I think it was like seven or eight years ago when I heard when this old boy told me this, um, you know those like uh, compression sleeves that guys, athletic guys, like guys wear? Yep. I bought... Uh, a set of those and they go up to my shoulder, you know, and I just put them on and they, and I wear gloves. And uh, he said, this will help basically with the poison ivy. I'm like, okay. So what I do is when I get done with, and I, I wear these when it's hundred degrees out, you know, and yep. it's, they breathe good. I think they breathe enough. I don't know if the, the poison ivy or oak breathes there, but I can tell you this, whenever I get done, I, I take the top of it and I just like undo it, mm-hmm. it you know, and put it in the washer. I have yet to get poison ivy or poison oak on my arms where I have these since I've started doing it. So, you know, for, I don't know, 30, 40 bucks, you can get those compression sleeves. And, you know, they're, it's like an Under Armour sleeve, basically. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, when you... If they know you're wearing sleeves in the, you know, athletic sleeves, maybe they, they might make a little fun of you, but you can't even see that they're sleeves. Somebody might just be like, why are you wearing a long sleeve shirt? And you're just like, wow, I just don't want to get poison ivy. So, but it's a good way just to take it off. Just like, you know, roll it off your arm and put it right in the washer and wash it. And it's been good for me. It's worth a shot. Yeah. I dude, That's a great hot take. I really like that, you know, because my, my go-to is, is usually like a long sleeve shirt and what i i usually like is like a really uh you ever you ever notice how like roofers they'll wear a really lightweight long sleeve shirt because once they can get that shirt sweaty the breeze makes it feel nice and cool you know so i always usually kind of go that route um almost like what's that fishing brand called like hawk or whatever like that style of shirt it's like long sleeve but but if you sweat it's going to cool you off but it's like always around the wrist, wherever the, the shirt meets the glove kind of part. That's always it. And I like my work provides us with uh, like tech new. It's it's a poison ivy wash. And I I know the key is is to using a, a washcloth, like really scrubbing it, you know, but I swear it just it, it's just part of it. You know, like <laughs> my wife just she always makes fun of me for it. She's like, it's like clockwork, DJ. It's the same thing every year. You know? Yep, <laughs> it is. It is. I've got but scars no, it, still on my arm from mm-hmm. past years with poison ivy and poison oak. You can like you can see them. Uh, they're scars that are going to be there forever. Yeah, yeah, but no, it's it's uh man, it's that time of year. We're, you know, we're talking shell cameras are being deployed. We're glassing. I mean, you're you're headed out on a hunting trip at the end of next month. I mean, these mm-hmm. are these are great times, man. The, the the summer evenings. I mean, it just all those all that stuff. Like you take it a, a good day of trail camera work, sweat your ass off out there all day. Good trail camera sets. Great intel. Get back nice shower and that cold beer afterwards oh, <laughs> oh yeah God. i'll be drinking a cold beer this afternoon trust me <laughs> oh man it's like you just couple all those together and it's like man that is it 
it is a good day, man. Especially for us guys that, you know, we love the process more than the, you know, than the, the ending part where it's like, I just, I just love it, man. And every day it's hoping for a new buck shows up or let's go for a drive to see what we yep. can find. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's good, man. It's good. The scrapes are good. Cameras are good. Glass is good. All is good right now. That's good, man. Well, let's wrap this up. We're hour and a half into this, uh, good little update here. Oh, Let's let's I guess let's hit it. Uh, season 23. What's going to happen this fall? Now, something to put on your calendar, you guys. DJ and I are heading to Kansas together um, with a, a lot of my friends and hitting some public land up for roughly 10 to 12 days. OK, now, last year we did season 22 and the whole premise behind it was the day that I hunted, I would do a podcast talking about that hunt in that day. And I would put it up that night. So you're getting like basically semi-live information and, and how everything went. Well, we are going to bring that into this season as well, obviously with season 23. But what's going to be unique about the Kansas trip is if we're going to be there for 10 or 12 days, we're podcasting every day and we're putting a podcast up every night. So if one of us kills a deer or somebody in our party kills a deer, we're podcasting about that that night and putting it up that night. So the next morning, you're going to be hearing about that deer hunt. Either you want to stay up late and hear it, or if you want to get up in the first thing in the morning, you're going to know about that kill the morning after it happens. It's just how it is. That's what we're going to do. Nobody's done mm -hmm. it. I've never seen anybody do it. This on my live stuff. I, live is live. It's live is a whole new beast. I'm not getting into live because it's, you know, it's already hard enough with semi live. Um, gonna be a lot of late nights gonna be tired but it's gonna be fun i can't wait to you know for it and a lot of people that i've told about this are excited because they're like they're i'm gonna watch i'm gonna listen every day wanting to know how you guys are doing and how the trip's going so i think it's gonna be really neat and uh i can't wait to get there and just grind it out man yes you, you and i both man because people are gonna here's the thing that's what people are gonna get to hear I don't care how you break it down. There's going to be ups and downs throughout 10 days of hunting. Yep. Okay? Especially in November. But, you know, we'll be breaking it down from driving out there, scouting. You know, I, I you know, I think Aaron's going to jump right into hunting. I may be scouting the first couple of days. Like, we're going to break it down every single day of what, what's going on. The good, the bad, the ugly. And hopefully somewhere during that, during those 10 days, well, th there's going to be some beers cracking throughout the 10 days. Oh, but yeah. One of those, couple of those nights, you know, we're hoping for a, a couple of extra beers to be cracked because, you know, hopefully we have one hanging there by the campfire. For sure, man. That's going to be the, the whole gist of the season 23 in, in this fall. We're going to be doing it throughout October, too. So whatever day we sit, we're putting a podcast up that day. I'm just saying, specifically saying the Kansas trip is going to be that much of a banger because you're going to get... If we're there for 12 days, you're going to get 12 podcasts, one every day, and you're going to know exactly what's going on. So yeah, <laughs> for all you gonna... nosy people that want to know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll tell you. It's going to be fun. It's it's going to be fun not only to produce those for everyone, but even, say, for us to be able to go back at the end of that trip and, you know, we're back to work the next, you know, the next week after that and be able to go, okay, I'm going to go listen to the last 12 episodes and like, I'm going to get a whole story out of all of that. Well, selfishly, that's how the whole idea of the season 22 came about is because I always took a journal anyway, like wrote it down. But now 
I can go back and listen to all the season 22s from last year on what day, and I can know exactly what happened. So, um, selfishly, that's how it was born, and people just really liked it, and I think they're going to like it even more after this year. Hell yeah, buddy. I can't wait to get out there. Cool, man. Well, everybody, thank you for all the support and all the downloads. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a written review, do the same thing on Spotify. Go to the website, fallpodcast.com. Check out all the merch. Buy something, please. That would be greatly appreciated. And uh, as always, we'll be right here next time on the Fall Podcast. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.